Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this one, you can search Jillian Pelkey on YouTube, soundcloud.com, or iTunes. All right, we are going to start with prayer, um, but first the mission of Activate Podcasts are to activate our faith through learning in the Bible and to activate our very lives by serving God, applying what we've learned in the Bible, and loving other people. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are here to change our hearts and minds, that God, you are here to be active in our lives, that you love us so much and you care so much about us. You are concerned about us, that you know us, that your thoughts for us are like the sand on the seashore. We can't even measure. We can't even count how much you are for us, how much you love us, how much you adore us, so much so that you would send your very son uh, in a replacement for our sins. You would send your very son to die for us. So God, today we realize how much you love us. We realize the depth of your love for us. And God, we just want to know you more. We want to be like Jesus. So teach us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about rebuilding and restoring things that are broken. And I believe that this is the very business of God. He continually wants to restore us. He wants us to rebuild things that are broken. He wants to infuse life into dead situations. We're going to take a look first in the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was alive uh, in the time when the Israelites had been captured by the Babylonians, and they were in captivity. Things were bad. Jerusalem, which was the city of God, was in ruins. It was in despair. And Nehemiah served in the courts of the king of Babylon. And uh, the news had come to him just how bad things had become in Jerusalem. And this was the Jerusalem that had the temple of God, that had the temple that Solomon built. This was the Jerusalem that was their city, the city of God. So the report comes to Nehemiah, and he responds with this. The report comes to him how bad Jerusalem is. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, When I heard these things, I sat down and cried for several days. I was sad and did not eat food. I prayed to the God of heaven. I said, Lord, God of heaven, you are the great God who is to be respected. You keep your agreement of love with those who love you and obey your commands. Listen carefully. Look at me. Hear the prayer your servant is praying to you day and night. I am praying for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites have done against you. My father's family and I have sinned against you. We have been wicked towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments and rules and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember what you taught your servant Moses. You said, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you come back to me and obey my commands, I will gather your people. I will gather them from the far ends of the earth, and I will bring them from captivity to where I have chosen to be worshipped. So this right here is a blueprint of what we can do in places that are broken in our lives. Let's take a look at what Nehemiah did here. First, he cried. He recognized the situation. It brought great sorrow to him. He cried, he prayed day and night, and he repented. He confessed the sins of himself and of his people. And then he called on the promises of God. And then he said, God, remember what you said. Here here is your promise. And now we're turning back to you. So God, please fulfill your promise. Remember what you said to your servant Moses. Remember that you said that uh, if we would turn to you, then you would 
restore us and gather us and rebuild us. Now in our lives, there are areas that are just like the city of Jerusalem. We were meant to be a place to hold the Spirit of God. We were meant as human beings turn towards God as Christians to house the spirit of the living God. We were meant to be living temples for the Holy Spirit. And because of our own disobedience or and situations in our lives, maybe we've become ruined and we need restoration, just like in the time of Nehemiah and, and the Israelites. If we take a look at Paul as he's talking to um, the church, he says, this, that we are to be, it's actually in Ephesians. Let's take a look at that. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 20 and verse 22, he says, you believers are like a building that God owns. And then he says, you are being built into a place where God lives through the spirit. So just like the temple in Jerusalem, you are a building that houses the Holy Spirit of God. And when we come to a place of ruin, when we come to a place where things are destroyed in our lives, when we have gone after sin, instead of going after God, we are just like the Israelites. We are just like the Israelites being brought to Babylon. See, everything in our life is supposed to bring life. Because Jesus brings life. He brings perfection. He brings joy. He brings peace. And if there are areas in our lives that don't have that, it's because we've allowed sin to enter into our lives. We've allowed our our temple, our body, our person to not be full with Jesus. Because if it was full of Jesus, we would have all the promises of God. So when we find areas in our lives that need attention, we need to follow the same map, the same thing that Nehemiah did. In 1 Corinthians, we're going to take a look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There is some really good stuff here. This is Paul, and he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he talks about how um, he comes to them not with human wisdom, but with the wisdom of the Spirit. So in chapter 2, verse 7, he says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That's what the scripture says when uh, it says, No eye has seen and no eye has heard or no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? 
but we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, God's secrets revealed to us. This is absolute madness, if you ask me. This is absolutely crazy that not only would God love us so unashamedly, so much that every time throughout history that we as a a human race are broken, he keeps restoring. He keeps restoring. He keeps restoring. Moses and the Israelites turn from him. The Israelites build a golden calf and he still tries to restore from Adam and Eve. And he tries to restore what was broken in in them choosing sin. He tries to restore by sending the prophets and he tries to restore by sending John the Baptist. And then he sends his own son as the ultimate restoration between us and God. He sends his very son to die as a restoration. And today he says, not only did I send my son to die, but now I'm sending you my very spirit. God loves us so much that he sent the prophets. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus as a new covenant to take away our sins. And now God loves us so much that he sent his very spirit to dwell inside us, that we are like a building that God owns and God lives through the spirit in us. When we look at that 1 Corinthians verse, it says, but we can have the mind of Christ. We can understand things that other people can't understand because we have the mind of God. And as he says, uh, as Paul is quoting, he's quoting from Isaiah, which says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has in store for them. And if we go back to Isaiah, where that's first written, Isaiah chapter 64, he's right in the same time period as Nehemiah. And he is talking about the desolation of Jerusalem, the just how destroyed it is, how ugly it is. But he says this in uh, Isaiah 64, 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins." And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are formed by your hand. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are your people. Your holy cities are destroyed. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolate ruin. The holy and beautiful temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned down. And all the things of beauty are destroyed. And all this, Lord, must you still refuse to help us? Will you continue to be silent and to punish us? And here's Isaiah calling out to the Lord in a time where they did not yet have the sacrifice of Jesus. They didn't have the freedom of salvation that we have. And so they were calling on God to forgive them. And it's interesting there because he recognizes, just like Nehemiah, their sinfulness. And he says, God, will you restore us? in our own lives as we are temples hosting, holding God's very spirit. We need to take the same blueprint laid out in Nehemiah and in Isaiah, that same blueprint that first we need to repent 
of whatever we've done wrong. If something is broken, then we need to sit like Nehemiah and, and think on what is it that God wants for my life? God wants me to be whole. God wants me to be righteous. God wants me to be full of love and grace and peace. And if those things are missing in my life, then I should be weeping before the Lord saying, God, search me and know my heart. Know if there's any evil way in me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I will be free and pure. Look at me, God. Help me, God. And just like he helped Nehemiah and Isaiah, surely because of Jesus, even more so, he will help you even more so. He will pour his spirit on you. But God is looking for someone who will love him completely. God is looking for someone who loves him first, everything else second, continually through the word of God. He says, if you will just turn to me, I'll make you strong. If you will just love me, I will be your God and you will be my people. In 1 Corinthians 8, 3, it says, whoever loves God is known by God. It says, if we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him with all of our heart. When we put God first, when we put God higher than everything else, when we turn away from sin, then God can pour out all of his blessings on us. And his blessings are more than we can even, even imagine. But here's our, here's our deal. I think as, as American Christians, there's a quote by Augustine that I want to read to you. And as American Christians, this is us. It says, many are miserable by loving hurtful things, but they are more miserable by having them. And we as Christians have desired things that get in the way of God. We have desired things that we have put ahead of God. And in America, we actually get those things. And I think it's even more hurtful to us. There are things in our lives that we put before God. In Matthew um, chapter 4, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And there is nothing on earth that we can serve and God. We have to serve God alone. And what's happened in our American Christianity is that we serve God on the side. God's near the top of the list, but he's not at the top of the list. And we need to rearrange our lives. We need to rebuild and restore ourselves to the place where Jesus is first and foremost, that he is the Lord of our lives. He is the first and everything else is second. Our time puts Jesus first. Our resources puts Jesus first. Our relationships put Jesus first. Our money puts Jesus first. Everything needs to fall and bow before God, and then we will be his people. Then we will be like in in 2 Chronicles where it says, for the eyes of the Lord look through the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him because he wants to strengthen them. Many of us have put God in our top priorities, but he's not the first. We serve God and. We serve God and. And we need to serve God alone. Is there any area of your life where you have put it before God? And many of us would very casually say no. We would very casually look at our lives and say, God's important to me. I go to church on Sunday. God's important to me. I give money to charity. God has to be more than just important to you. God has to be everything to you. We need to find ourselves satisfied in God alone. Anything that we do to bring ourselves peace apart from God is sin. 
We don't need to find peace in food. We don't need to find peace in a cup of coffee. We don't need to find peace in other people. We find peace in God alone. And anything else that we add to that is extra. Anything else we add to that is is something we're supplementing God with. God needs to be our, our bread and our living water. He needs to be our whole meal. He is our everything. And when we add anything to it, when we supplement God, we are not serving him alone. And that's the the sin of the Israelites. They served God and other gods. They served God and themselves. We need to serve God alone. How can we do it? We can do it because we can have the very mind of God himself. We can have the very spirit of God. On our own, we cannot do it. And the Bible has proved that through the Israelites, through generation after generation who wanted to serve God, but they served God and other gods. They served God and themselves. They served God and relationships, God and money, God and wisdom, God and, and, and. We couldn't do it as a human race, so he sent Jesus, who gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God living within us, to make it possible for us to live life and to live it his way. Like it says in in 1 Peter, that we can live life God's way. It is possible through God. If salvation is possible, then anything's possible. The door is wide open because not only do we have freedom from sin through Jesus, but now we have the Holy Spirit of God. If we flee from sin, if we get rid of everything else, put Jesus first. The promises of God are ready to be poured out on you like more than you could even hope or imagine. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Now catch this. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. That God will. So this is saying that God will give you power over every rule and authority, dominion over every name that is invoked in this present age and in the one to come. Meaning that... God gives us the power in his Holy Spirit to do things that we can't even comprehend. Ephesians 3, 16 uh, through 20 says, I pray, and this is Paul to the church in, the, in, in Ephesus, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lived, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. 
I want to go to 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. We have this out, outline for us in Nehemiah that we need to look at our lives and we need to weep before the Lord and we need to recognize. We have to first recognize. That's the first step to recognize that there are things in our lives that are broken. There are things in our lives that are not dedicated 100% to the Lord, that God can't be a God that we serve on the side or a God that we serve on Sunday. He needs to be in our morning, in our afternoon, in our evening. He needs to be coming out of our speech, out of our mouths. He needs to be coming out of our actions. He needs to be coming out of us, exuding from us at all times. We need to take on the mind of Christ. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit of God day in and day out, every month, every year. Our finances have to be bow before God. Our relationships have have to bow before God. Everything in our lives has to come second to God Almighty. And when we are a hundred percent sold out to God, then his power is going to be poured out on us. But like Nehemiah, first we have to recognize, first we have to see how important God is and, and weep because God wants the glorious temple that he had in Jerusalem, the glorious, golden, wonderful temple. That's us. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to be rebuilt. But first we need to recognize where we're at. We have to have a sober look at where we're at. Then as we pray and as we seek God, you know, the Bible says that the things that we do in secret will shine forth like the dawn the prayers you pray year after year, the things that you do in secret, the relationship that you cultivate with Jesus will shine forth like the dawn in your life. And it's not impossible to serve God in hard circumstances. It's not impossible to serve God when no one else does. We have such a great example, a cloud of witnesses, Hebrew says, of people who have gone before us, who have lived lives of holiness because of the Holy Spirit in them, because of God leading them, because of their uh, running away from sin. And in this book by Thomas Brooks, it's Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. It says this, um, it says that we can be like people in the Bible This speaks out both the truth and strategies of grace, when with Lot, a man can be chaste in Sodom, and with Timothy can live temperate in Asia among the luxurious Ephesians, and with Job can walk uprightly in the land of Uz, where the people were profane in their lives and superstitious in their worship, and with Daniel can be holy in Babylon, and with Abraham righteous in Chaldea, and with Nehemiah zealous in Damascus, and with you and your life where you live. When we turn to the Lord, He will make us strong and able to stand up to anything that we're facing and anyone that we're facing, because we don't wrestle against the uh, against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers of this dark world. And the only way to defeat that is with the Spirit of God. And so if we, like Nehemiah, will turn and we will repent of our sins, we will grieve for the things, we will recognize the things that are in ruins in our lives, then we can be restored. Then we can call upon the promises of God. Then when we've made ourselves servants of God most high, when we have called upon the name of the Lord and asked him to forgive our sins, then... Then as we have turned in repentance, we can call out the promises of God, just like Nehemiah did. And when Nehemiah said, remember what you taught Moses, you taught Moses that if we did not serve you, you'd scatter us. But if we did serve you, if we did turn toward you, then you would gather us from the East and the West. You would gather us back to yourself. And that's a promise of God over your life today. If you will repent of your sin, if you will turn towards God completely, putting God as number one, putting God as the most important, not God 
God and anything else, but God first. If you will do that, then God will restore the temple uh, that he has created you to be. He will restore in you the joy of your salvation. And then you can go forth and you can preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. He can use you. Are you someone God can use? You are if you are repentant. If you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when you are cleansed from all unrighteousness, when you are made holy, you can be set free into this earth to do mighty, mighty things for God. And we don't do it in our own strength and we don't do it in our own name. We are literally walking by the spirit. Jesus himself said, I don't do anything unless the father tells me to do it. And same with us. We don't do anything unless the Holy Spirit of God tells us to do it. And when he stirs in us, then he's going to make mountain move, mountains move. He's going to make seas split wide open. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to open doors that seem completely shut. He reframes our thinking. He reframes our whole way of doing things. And he is creative and he is good and he is powerful. And he says he has resources that are unlimited. He is above this world. He is above our circumstances. He is above time and space. He is above everything. And he wants to pour his spirit on you. If you would just repent of your sins, if you would just turn from the evil that so easily tangles us up, the evil that so easily just draws us to, to itself. If we would turn from evil and turn towards righteousness, God would release his power on you today. It's a simple prayer. But it's a lifetime of changing your heart, of, of, of looking again and again, of reviewing your life and saying, God, are you really first? Of having that honest conversation. And I think when we have that honest conversation, we become like Nehemiah and we weep because we see how sinful we really are in our intentions in our thought patterns. The Bible says we have to take captive every thought and force it to come under submission of Jesus Christ because we have the mind of Christ. So we can't take our thoughts and let them run wild. We can't take our feelings and follow our feelings because our hearts are continually evil. We see that from Genesis all the way through to Revelation that we as humans, we, we keep following after our sinful ways and our sinful desires. We know that those sinful desires lead to death. They are fun for a season, but they lead to death. We want life and we want life abundantly. And so we put to death our sinful nature and we choose to follow the spirit of God. Today, you have a choice. Today, you have a choice to either follow the things of this world or to follow God completely. There is no in between. There is no God and. God is not secondary. God is not an addition. God is not a supplement. God is everything. And if God is everything, he promises that he will pour his spirit on you, that he will restore you and rebuild you. But if God is secondary, if God is an addition to what you're already doing, then you might as well run very hard in the other direction because there's only one God and you need to serve him completely if you want to be useful for him. Do you want to be useful for God today? Do you want your life to matter, to count to God? Do you want your life surrendered to him? Then all you need to do is to turn from the sinful things that so easily entangle us, put them aside, put God first and watch as he pours out his blessings on you and you will be restored. Just like Jerusalem was restored to the Israelites, you will be that temple. Let's talked about in Ephesians. You believers are like a building that God owns. You are being built into a place where God lives through his spirit. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would live through your spirit in each and every one of us. That God, we would turn from sin. That we would turn from every 
even appearance of evil, that God, we would be completely humbled before you. We would be completely yours. And that God, as you search the earth, as you look out over America, you would see us, you would find us as ones that our hearts are set on you. We are set on you and you alone. God, I pray that all other desires would flee and that God, we would have tunnel vision on you, that we would serve you and serve you alone because in every era of our our lives, we need your wisdom and your wisdom will bring joy. Your wisdom will bring peace in our relationships and our finances and our decision-making in every area of our lives. God, we release our control. We release our own desires. We release all the things that we hold so tightly and we give them to you. And we pray just like you did for Nehemiah and you restored Jerusalem, you would restore our temples. You would restore us to the thing that you have created us to be, which is a powerful weapon in your hand to fight against the evil one, to bring back captives, to set other people free. Free us so we can free other people by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.